it was really neat to see a ship battle. Yep. Done like this that I was had sort of forgotten about where right. it's not about shooting a bunch of you know pews. Uh, torpedoes or whatever. Right. It's about outsmarting the other the other your adversary. And I really like the fact that they pretty quickly take um they put the the Enterprise at a disadvantage. Yeah. Very quickly. So it's all about Extremely so. making do with what you have and being clever. Hey, everybody. Welcome to and welcome back to In Star Trek We Trust, a Star Trek podcast. I am Kevin, one of the hosts. And I am the other host, Ethan. And this week we are discussing the fourth episode of Star Trek Strange New Worlds, Memento Mori, directed by Dan Liu, who comes to us mostly from the Walking Dead universe of shows as a director and then we have Davy Perez and Bo DeMeo the writers Davy Perez um, comes from Supernatural American Crime some pretty good shows there mm-hmm. Why, then Bo DeMeo comes from well they're working on the X-Men 97 the reboot of the X-Men show Moon Knight which I really enjoyed Witcher mm-hmm. um, so Excellent pedigree for the the you know behind the 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 camera talent. We don't say that. So we don't far. say that very often. No, and I haven't had to say MacGyver in a long time. <laughs> or trashy ABC shows, as you uh, as you love yes, to say. No trashy yeah. ABC shows. Yeah. Um. I yeah. I mean, I used to watch. Uh, I have to catch up, but I do enjoy For All Mankind. I think that's and Ron Moore is attached to that show. He's the co-creator of that show. And I used to watch um, The Walking Dead, but they are, those are fine. That is, those are fine television programs. At least The Walking absolutely. Dead was for one for one point in time. So tell us to educate everybody who may not know. Give us the definition of memento mori. What that means? I know it is something from Final Fantasy XI, but that's not what people should go by. <laughs> so that's how I learned the term. Right. So this is an interesting thing, and um, I, I know about it, I don't know, just from being, um, well, I know about it from seeing a lot of them. My wife is Italian, and going to Italy, you go into these old churches, Catholic churches, and there was a point in time when the Catholic church was very obsessed with the um, with death and decay. Uh, and so it, what it is is, Remember that you are going to die. It's Latin literally for remember that you're going to die. So in these Catholic churches, you see lots of um, the sculptures will be of like skeletons. Yep. Or some churches even are the walls are lined with skulls. These are Catholic churches, by the way. It's very fascinating. Um, and even they have furniture, not furniture, but light, light fixtures made out of human bones in them. Um, and then you'll see the skeleton of yeah. maybe one of the former priests with all their clothes on. Um, so they constantly wanted to remind you of death because, you know, well, you know why. If you're afraid of death, you're more likely to want the church to make sure you're going to go to the right place after you die. It's interesting because this episode, of course, reintroduces us to the Gorn, who we have not seen in the Prime Universe anyway since... Really, the original series episode arena, we did see a skeleton of it in, of one of them in Lorca's ready room in, uh, in uh, or his office, I guess, in, in the first season of Discovery. We did, of course, see an all CGI going in the fourth season of Enterprise in Amira Dockley, but we haven't seen them really much. Oh, and, oh, I should mention Lower Decks, but I did say live action. But it's funny, when you describe... Memento Mori in such great detail. I then begin to realize, because it's all fitting for who the Gorn are, right? Especially in this episode. But it's interesting to hear you say it like that, because now I'm just sort of realizing how much they seem to kind of rip off the Gorn when they introduce the Herogen on 
Voyager because the Herogen were this hunting species that they encountered who would use, you know, after they've hunted their prey, they hunt, they do it for game. And after they hunt their prey, they take, you know, the skulls or just anything that they have of the prey and, and hang it on the wall as a trophy. Mm. And it's just interesting to see how those two species now just seem to kind of overlap with the way with what Strange New Worlds and even what you're defining Memento Mori as being. So right. I found that. I think kind another of crossover is that they're described by uh, I'm gonna start using her first name, I promise. Lan Laan. 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 Is that apostrophe though? As very similar to the way the Borg are usually described. Yes. Where this is not, you know, the you can't you can't negotiate with them. You can't reason with them. This is not yep. anyone that any any of your diplomatic notions and your yes. high ideals of peace and contact are going to mm -hmm. work. They are just pure evil, and you need to treat them as such. I'm so glad you made that connection because I did too. Toward the end, when they were talking about that, and I thought of those lines that Q said to Picard at the end of um, like all throughout Q. Who he says, you know. You can't outrun them. You can't destroy them. They regenerate and keep coming. They will follow the ship until you've exhausted, you know, and he's just, and they're referring to the Gorn very much the same way. She's referring to the Gorn very much in the same way he was referring to the Borg. And I felt that now they make a very interesting choice and a good choice to actually not show us the Gorn. And yeah, I think, really and I think very much like, the first time we meet the Borg, even though we see them, the threat of them, the overpowering nature of them, the threat that they pose felt very real to me. This is really the first time we get to see the Gorn like this. I mean, when we saw them on the original series, I mean, there was a bit of a space battle in between. And then, of course, it was sort of one-on-one -on -one with Kirk and another Gorn. So this is kind of the first time we get a sense of what they are like as a species when they when you sort of encounter them in space. And I enjoyed it very much because I it was just it was tense, it was gripping, it was scary at times. It just it had it, it just had everything almost everything that I liked about a, like like an episode of Balance of Terror, like an episode like Balance of Terror, it reminded me very much of Balance of Terror. Yeah, I think it was really neat to see a ship battle. Yep. Done like this that I was had sort of forgotten about, where right. it's not about shooting a bunch of, you know, pew pews, uh, torpedoes or whatever. Right. It's about outsmarting the other the other your adversary and i really like the fact that they pretty quickly take um they put the the enterprise at a disadvantage yeah very quickly so it's all about Extremely so making do with what you have and being clever yeah it it now if you think about balance of terror now balance of terror is very much done like the a submarine film the enemy below same with the Wrath of Khan, the battle in the Mutara Nebula. The battle in the Mutara Nebula, right? Actually, now, in this one, he even says Enterprise has to dive. Right. And so, submarine term. But you get the sense that with balance of like episodes like Balance of Terror, like films like the Wrath of Khan, when you think about the the time they were made, to do something like you would like almost like a dogfight or something, or you know maybe something you know more akin to like Star Wars or something like that would have cost a lot of money. So while I'm not saying it's entirely because they didn't have the money to do that, I'm sure budget came into play in some ways to do it that way. Now, this show could very easily have done what I'm describing, you know, making it a shoot 'em up and, you know, back and forth very fast, but they chose not to. They're able they were able to, but they decided not to go in that direction, which I they they abstained from doing that. Now, cuz you know if this had been you know, another show of this, they would have not, they would have not resisted to do it in such a way. So I like that they chose the more tense, the more calculated, the more, you know, submarine like warfare. It was so much better. It was so much better. And refreshing, very refreshing to see this. Yes. And there was real 
stakes in dread. Absolutely. I mean, the the I, when the episode ended and they showed the Enterprise fly, like flying away, and you really get a, you you see for the first time really how damaged the ship is. Uh -huh. I was like, holy shit! Like, you know, we haven't seen it look like this since really like the Wrath of Khan and into the search for Spock. I mean, I know we saw a torpedo get lodged into it and then half of it got, you know, a, a small section of the saucer got blown away at the end of Such Sweet Sorrow. But the Enterprise, as you say, I mean, the Enterprise really took a pounding in this episode and they were sort of overwhelmed pretty quickly. And Pike had to, they had to think about a way to get out of there by outsmarting the enemy rather than just firing however many torpedoes they could in the hopes that it would mm -hmm. destroy them. Or launching hundreds of shuttles. Yes. Um, I. You're, but it's true. It's that, true. that makes me yeah. wonder if, about something, though, and this is intriguing. Yeah. Um, if this were the original series, next mm -hmm. episode, the ship would be in perfect shape and it would never be mentioned again. Right. So knowing that this is an episodic show, I wonder if that part will be episode. Will the ship be in perfect shape, do you think, next time we see it? I wonder if, like, yeah, beginning of next week, are they going to be? Are you going to see them back in space dock undergoing repairs, or like, or will it just be the Enterprise has just left space dock from undergoing extensive repair or something like that? I mean, because you're right. If this right. were any of the other shows, if this has been like, you know, this happened on Voyager. I mean, there was an episode where the ship took a huge pounding in an episode called Deadlock, and by the next episode, it was as if nothing ever happened. Yeah. yeah. But then they did have one season, didn't they, when the ship was kind of falling apart? Or at least a bunch of episodes. Well, Year of Hell, but it was two parts. Oh, well, that's it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. But and and you know those were the those were kind of the small things that I hated about episodic television, like what you just pointed out. Mm hmm. But I suspect that even though each episode on this show is going to be a different story every week, I could see them. You know, I think they already have like reference things that have you know from previous episodes that have happened already. But it's not like you needed to. But I think they do it in. They sort of wrap it around the episode. You don't have to have seen it. The show will just explain to you what happened, or like, you know, the right. Enterprise just left space dock undergoing sense of repair. But like, you don't need to, you know. No, I don't need to see the whole thing. I don't care. Right. Even if they just say it, like, "Good thing we got repaired." <laughs> I don't. Well, even if they don't, I don't care. Well, I mean, and, and even at the beginning of the first episode, they said that it was undergoing a long refit, and so I mean, I didn't question what that was because I know it wasn't what we saw in Such Sweet Sorrow, because at the end of that episode, it ended with the episode with the Enterprise warping away. So I'm like, well, it can't be that. Right. right? So um, I don't care what, I mean, yeah. if you want to tell me, that's fine, but it's, I don't, you know, it's fine. Yeah. Speaking of that, now you just put an answer to something that I noticed. Um, okay. Or not, not an answer, but when I'll, I'll use an imaginary answer. So I noticed when at one point Spock had to vent the, the Enterprise. And he's leaning over because the ship is, you know, being pulled by the black hole. And he's reaching for his buttons. And I swear to you, those buttons yep. were the ice cube, the cocktail ice cube trays. Like when we went to the, the original series set tour, they were just the little plastic half, you know, yep. sphere yep. things. And uh, they were laid out in such a way. And I thought like, oh, how cool is that? They've got the, you know, the right buttons. Right. But then when they went to Ortega's... Um, you know, she had the touchscreen. Yeah. But interestingly, what was on her touchscreen was laid out in a similar half circle to yes. box buttons. But my thought now is that, oh, when they did the refit, they like they replaced all the old buttons with screens. It's interesting, right? You know what I... So... The ones that needed repair, rather. Yeah. And not to get... Not to sidetrack us, but I, I, I've, I've yeah. sort of wanted the context to say this. But... Okay. You know, when, when, when we first saw the Enterprise in Discovery... Thing. None of this matters. No, I don't really care no, no, no. None of this matters. But, but here's, it's fun to look at. It's fun to look at, but, but I, I've always wanted to sort of mention this, right? Because as you recall, when we first saw the Enterprise in Discovery and then we saw the bridge, you know, you and I were fine with it, but we, in fact, we loved it. But, you know, you obviously had those people who were like, well, what the fuck? That's not what it's supposed to look like. And, you know, which was going to happen anyway. Yeah. And... It's supposed to be made of plywood. Right. But... What I've sort of internalized a little bit is that when you look at shows that have now come before the original series and even the ones that have come after it, 
I had said, you know, they took the out the exterior design of the Enterprise, and they now you because now we have Star Trek Enterprise, you can now see the design, sort of the evolution from that era of of which that Enterprise comes from. It always felt to me that the way everything had the the way every ship had looked, the interior of every ship had looked, what they sort of established an internal continuity to the point where like the original series seemed ridiculous it did, you're like how because you know how do you go from this and then how do you go to that i mean i remember you joking years ago saying like uh i think in the mirror universe if they saw the defiant that's where they would get the inspiration to you know go in that <laughs> direction right but what what they seem to have done is i look at this now as an, and i say to myself i can see the natural progression from enterprise and leading into where we wind up with like say the motion picture and into next generation it's a it's a very good mixture of both and it even had you know it has the to your point it has the original series buttons there's some touch screens as if like because like we're going to have touch screens eventually but right now not everything is touch screen we still have yeah. some of the older stuff yeah yeah i like that a lot it's bridging it's sort of bridging those two eras together in my in my opinion and i and i truly appreciate that that's the direction they went in because you know it's too tempting to like just kind of replace everything right yes yeah or or just try to be a purist and have everything exactly the same right right so i, I'm, I mean i'm glad the set's not all plywood right so right and, and his little view thing looks really good too his, right i don't know what you call it spock's little uh you know his little eyeball thing that he yeah, looks his, into all the time yeah. even they had like just kind of a, a vague blue glow coming out of it like right it's very it's always coming out but of i it. think like it, it just shows like you know as long as you have a hint of it as long as it's there to remind you, even though it's not exact, but it's just it still looks vaguely similar. That's okay. Your mind, yeah, your imagination little, fills in the rest. Yeah, and a few little nods, like right. the like the buttons. Yeah, I, I sort of take it as like you know, like you ever see like those things where like if you take a word and you, as long as the first and last letter are the same, but you mix up the ones in the middle, your mind still kind of fills it in. Like that's how I kind of view yeah. all of that. Yeah, and the fact that the uniforms are pretty darn close yeah, yeah i mean they're updated but just the outline and the colors are spot on that kind yeah. of just does it as well now but one thing one thing they hand. did in this episode that i that i really 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 liked is i liked the idea of them having a starfleet memorial day which is how the episode opened up which you had asked me before we recorded do you think that was intentional because of course tomorrow as we record this is memorial day yes this is memorial day weekend but i just liked the idea of them having having that which I, I just thought that was very interesting and just a very cool thing that they would do in that world. Yes, and I thought it was also, again... Tasteful. You're, you want to reveal your character. Yes. The fact that La'an... It's going to take me a bit till I'm used to saying that. Um, <laughs> the fact that she has her button out, but she puts it away because she kind of doesn't want to think about the past. Yep. And so and she says that when she sees Una... Um, that I think that was a cool character moment. And then we kind of get later also, she says something like, um, the enemy doesn't care about my feelings, so I don't have any. Yeah. See, that, um, I, when you pause for a second and said Una, that's, I have to get used to saying that. I'm still saying number one. I'm like, I have to still get used yeah. to, you know, mentally retrain myself to say that. But yeah, I mean, the, the, the whole thing provided the context for, for what she was going to be doing in this episode. And what I, what I think is very interesting about her character, you know, backstory and everything aside, she's kind of the first security officer in Star Trek, in a Star Trek series, who actually, like, does something. Aside from um, just escort people off the bridge. Right. I mean, Worf did some did a lot of stuff. I'm not going to, I don't want to discredit Worf. Yeah. But... So, all right. So, her and Worf seem to do a lot, right? <laughs> like... You know, but like Tuvok was a security officer, but okay, like it, it was only like he was when. Never doing security. But you know what it was like? Security officers in the pa on past Trek shows seem to be needed when there's like intruders aboard, right? Yeah. Security to deck five, security to. But she's, she's very knowledgeable with. She's very knowledgeable in all of this tactical. What do I want to say? Like tactical information. She's she's she has tactical. Like almost tactical brilliance, and especially when it comes to the Gorn, Pike right. knows. Pike knows to defer to her because she knows exactly who they're dealing with. Yeah, and there's very little limited information 
on the Gorn. Exactly. So she's the only person. She, she has more information than anyone in Starfleet. Right. And so, and he has no basis to say, well, I can't say, you know, I can't say no, because who am I to say no in this situation? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And he has surrounded himself with people that he trusts right. their opinion. So I think his captaining is great because he he's the, makes the final decision. Right. But if someone that he trusts is emphatically telling him, like, this is what you have to do, he's going to put a certain weight on that advice. Correct. Yeah. So I, I find his captaining to be fantastic as always. He's very quickly, he's very quickly throughout the series has become like a favorite captain of mine. I think he's, as I said last week or week before last, I'm sensing a seismic shift. And I think we're really, we're rapidly getting there with him in terms of, being best captain in the franchise. Yeah, and it's really neat how like by doing he does less. Less is more when it comes right. to him being captain. He he I think he kind of captains almost by committee. He wants to hear from everybody before he makes that final decision. Mm. He's not he's almost like he's not comfortable making that command decision until he's heard from everybody. Yeah, and I think he gets the role of a captain more right. than most. And he, he has a great conversation with Laon, um, where, where actually where she says the enemy doesn't care about her feelings, so she doesn't have any. And yep. he says, well, yes, but uh, the crew sees you and how you're acting. And even though you think you don't have any feelings, you're clearly having some feelings. And it's funny. Well, I'll mention this after. So he says, you, you have two jobs here. One is, yes, to get us through this. The other one is to give the crew hope. Yep. Because if they don't have hope, then they're going to give up. So she says, okay, I understand that. But I think Pike shows throughout the episode. You almost could say that he, he started to go down the, um, the Michael path, where he just was saying... You know, the ship's going to hold. Trust me, it's going to hold. But I don't think he ever knew, he ever believed it. He just, I think he did the calculation and knew, listen, if we get caught by the Gorn, we're going to be, like, eaten alive. Right. So, we're going to do everything we can to get out of here. And if we get sucked into a black hole while we're doing it, so be it. It's better than well, getting eaten alive. So, I'm going to do the best I can to give us the best chance of survival. Yep. And I'm going to make sure that everyone feels secure in what we're doing. And if we don't make it... Mm, big whoop. But I think it's but I think the other thing too is that there's a difference, right? Michael is is always it's intuition. I know, I know it's not gonna happen. I know we're gonna I know we're gonna find this. I know this is gonna happen. All right. I think it's either Pike doesn't know internally, but as a captain, you don't want to tell that to your crew. You exactly. you want to give so I'll give you an example. In the season finale the second season finale of voyager voyager is overtaken by the kazon they land on a planet they dump the crew off on this planet desert them there and the ship takes off right so the crew's trying to figure out what do we do and you know janeway doesn't know janeway's janeway's no i think knows either doesn't know that we're gonna get they're gonna get rescued or not but the first thing she said one of the first things she said was it's very important that this crew have a sense of hope that's our best asset right now. And I think mm -hmm. that's what Pike, I think that's what a Starfleet captain is supposed to do. In spite of how much the odds might be against you, it's important to maintain and give, give or maintain a sense of hope. And I think that's yeah. what, that's what he was doing in that moment. Agreed. And you know, if we want to talk about how, captains have sort of elements of other captains in yeah. them that make them so great. I think uh, one this is a place where Picard would excel. If they're going into something very dangerous, he would give the inspirational talk. And yeah. I think that Pike is matching right. Picard's inspirational talks. And remember, Boimler was a whole part of his uh, identity as a training um, right. Right. command person that he <laughs> the inspirational talk was a big part of uh, that. Well, I think, but again, I think what the way Pike carries himself throughout this entire episode speaks to how I've described him to people in the past. I said he's a, a very 
he's like the he's like the best of Picard and the best of Kirk rolled and sort of his own person as well. Well, when you if you threw those all if you put those all in a blender and just kind of mix them up, that's who Captain Pike would be. And I think in this episode, he he excelled at doing both. He had that Picardness about him when it came to either giving a speech or, as you say, you know, talking to his crew in a certain way. But he also kind of banked. He also kind of betted on, like, the way Kirk would by, you know, not really bluffing, but kind of, you know, playing the long game, playing the game with them, and and strategizing and being a bit of a tactician against the enemy rather than just, you yeah. know, and taking a risk. Take that's thank you. Taking he was taking the risk. He was doing the whole risk is our business. Yes, and calculated risks, but still yes. risk. I mean, they could have been sucked into the black hole. Right. They could have, you know, many things could have went wrong. Right, which would not have been the first time. I mean, this happens on a Star Trek show. I mean... That's true. Yeah. That's true. So, it, yeah. It was actually a very funny moment where um, uh, Ortega asks, uh, how big a black hole? And, and <laughs> Pike says, one problem at a time. And my thought was like... <laughs> Well, actually, I mean, that could be your only problem if it's big enough. Right. Because black holes are, it's not like you can just like, well, well don't worry. Well, we're being pulled into the black hole. We'll figure that out right. after. But I like, yeah. It doesn't really work that way. But I like how he wasn't, he didn't want the problem to kind of snowball. He's like, yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to worry about more than one thing at, at this in this moment. Like, we'll deal yeah. with that, you know. Like, that's, that's, that's the least of our problems right now is how big it is. Yeah. But, you know, and throughout this episode, what I think impressed me more about Pike's character is that too often in Trek's past when crew members are lost, albeit unnamed crew members, like how many fatalities, you know, we've, we've lost seven people or whatever, whatever. you know, captains, sometimes they do, but I, I can't think of very many moments where a captain has actually sort of mourned the loss of their crew of some crew members, even though we may not know who those crew members are. Right. Well, Pike, Michael. Michael, I mean, I don't think what I don't think that we get enough of that, right? And I think that and what we got from Pike this week I thought was very poignant, was very good. I like that you see him cuz my favorite my favorite quote of the episode came toward the end when it, now this is when they're flying into the irrelevantly sized black hole. And the lower decks are beginning to buckle, and all I could think of was, and they said the lower decks, you know, are buckling. I think I'll, you know, I could just imagine Boimler down there, like <laughs> I thought to myself, right. sleep, right. screaming, like this is. Yeah, I thought to myself, I'm like, I'm like, you just described a lower decks episode down there somewhere, like the Cerritos does something, and they're all, and like, oh, the lower decks are, it, the pressure's coming in the lower decks, and you just cut to them on the lower decks, like <laughs> it's always yeah, us. Why is it always us? Why is it always our part of the ship that has to go yeah. first? You know. Um, they're trying to walk and their legs are heavy because right. <laughs> yeah um, but it's when they're sealing off the lower decks there's a good moment in there that reminded me of Year of Hell and um, they lose a couple of crew members Pike has to make the decision to seal the lower decks when there are still people down there and Spock says to him you made the logical choice mm, and Pike says point. why does it feel that why doesn't it feel that way and he said for the same reason you made it because you value life. Yeah, that was yeah. excellent. Yeah, and it was. It was what a great. It's such a Star Trek line. Yeah, it's such a Spock a, line. What a quick way to deal with it. Also, you know. Yeah. And Spock's going to apply logic to the situation, and it's like, yeah, it feels like you didn't make the right choice because you care about life, and that's why you did it in the first place. Yep. I mean, and, uh, yeah, and it, it's like quick. That's all you got to do. It's all it took. Is that, in, in a way, I mean, unless I'm misinterpreting, is that a sort of needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few moment, very, uh, you know, quick moment? I think, like, be, like yeah. what it means, like, he's what that quote. He's working on that line. He hasn't quote, quite got it yet. Yeah. He's workshopping that line. He's yeah. almost there. <laughs> like, I'm not saying you had to say that line, but, like, basically what yeah. that line means a plot is what happened in that situation. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. He's workshopping that line. I like that. Yeah, <laughs> Not quite there. We're gonna see the genesis of that line now. Genesis yeah, project I know. I know. line. Yep. Um, Come on. Another thing, since we're talking about Pike's command style, I really like. Um, he's having a later. So we got a few. Um, you know, uh, 
ready room scenes or whatever we want to call it. But one, he says, Spock, tell me, <laughs> it's, it's so great because, you know, we always talk about how they're not explaining things well on the other shows. But here he just says to Spock, Spock, tell me what gravitational redshift is. <laughs> right. And I like how it's not even, they don't even try to hide it in any dialogue. It's just like, just tell me what it is. <laughs> and then he explains it and then it makes sense. And then he says, that's what we're, we're going to do. Yeah. I mean, just keeping us in the loop. That's all. Even though it may have seemed a little awkward. I'd rather know what's going on than I'd be like, Captain, did you not attend Starfleet Academy? <laughs> yeah, or they yeah. just would be like, let's do a gravitational redshift, and then they're all going to be like, oh my god, yes. Yeah, everybody's going to tell us how the gravitational redshift is. Everybody at the Academy has a specialty, so you know Pike's not going to retain all of that. So that's why you have a crew. Exactly, exactly. And I got the impression that he knew what it was. He just wanted to make sure that you know we, the audience, knew what it was. Spock is the science officer. So what can you, what can I say? Yes. Um, now, this is a hot take that I have. Oh, can't wait. And we have to talk about Discovery to talk about. But here, we're going to talk about Laan's story a bit more. And that's what we just talked about with Pike. Um, this is a story where emotions and trauma play a central role. And yet... It worked. Because what do you it, think of that? Because it wasn't overplayed and it wasn't melodramatic. It made sense in the context of the episode. It was yeah, te yeah. It was, it was teed it was up. Integral yeah. to the story. It was. It wasn't it was just there because they needed melodrama. Right. It wasn't just yes, and it wasn't you know. Um, I have a history with the Gorn. It's my destiny to face yeah. them. Well, well, it I mean, was. I have information because of my experience with them. I've. It was a traumatic experience. I have post-traumatic right. stress. I don't remember everything. I don't want to face it, but I know I have to for the good of the ship. I mean, what you are describing is an earned emotional moment. Earned emotional moments, which is not what the other show has. We will, we've often said unearned emotional moments. Yes. It, it's these very disjointed moments where a character says, I don't feel like I have a place here, but... Saying or that, I was in a hurricane when I was a kid. Because if you think about, um, I'll just cite this example. If you think about the first episode of the fourth season of Discovery, it's it's when Tilly is saying that she's not sure about herself. I don't I don't know what's going on. Like, and there's a point where Michael says to her, now having just come off of season three and the battle with Osira and everything and the Emerald Chain, she says. Is this because of Osira? You know, because you think like, because Michael thought, oh, it's because you were in command and you failed, and you know, and that that whole thing happened. And I thought to myself, there's a real opportunity there to say that could be the reason, but mm. it wasn't. She's like, no, no, it's not that. I'm like, well, <laughs> so, but you could have, like, you could have yeah. made this an earned moment, right? But, but I do have to say they handled that story very well. I do have to give him credit. I thought her whole searching right. for a new path and finding one. But I think what, what I'm. What I'm getting at is like you have moments like that on that show that don't they don't play well with the story that's being told because they have nothing to do with it. Right. And it's just why why this time are we dealing with that? I think it goes back to what I said was the 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 story on Strange New Worlds is very much in service of the characters. The characters and their past, they're driving the story and the sometimes the story is providing the context for them to either bring something up or behave a certain way. And that to me is what makes the show work so well so far. I wasn't sitting there rolling my eyes going, Oh my God, another one with a traumatic, with a traumatic past. Right. And it made sense. They were, and they were talking about it explicitly. Right. Spock was saying, this is a traumatic experience and your brain has like, doesn't want to access those memories or whatever he was saying. But he was saying directly yeah. that it was about emotions and trauma and it worked so well. So yes, I do believe you're right. It's because it was so integral to the story. Right. And it was because while we were dealing with her trauma, we were advancing the plot because we were getting the information needed to right. defeat the Gorn or escape from the Gorn. So it, yeah, kudos, it, kudos to the writers. But and and here's the other thing too. It's she's not. I was thinking about this after I watched the episode for like the fourth time. Um, she's not unlike Seven of Nine, who also had a traumatic past, 
But every time oh. the Borg came up, she was the one who would help get them out of that sticky situation. She knew the vulnerabilities. She knew she knew she had that tactical information because she was one of them. I mean, Leon is is very much playing the same type of role that Seven of Nine played True. when it pertained to dealing with and Picard an enemy they knew about. Yeah. Picard, Picard as well. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So it's very well done. It makes sense. It 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 oh, yeah. <laughs> it's not hard. It's all you got to do. Yeah, and they do it well. Um so far. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, I thought that was great. I thought even um Pike having a moment, just a moment, you know, cuz he he's in the middle of a crisis. He doesn't have time to fully to have a breakdown or anything, but he just has a moment of, you know, Someone got killed directly because of a decision right. he made, and so he has a moment of feeling that impact. I, and I, then Spock clears him up. It's I think fantastic. What, I, what I appreciated is that the show knows, like, it's sort of like within the context of the events of the episode, it's like, I don't have time to deal with this right now, right? I can't take the Federation president as I'm about to, as I'm about to you know, go through a very dangerous area of space and have a melodramatic conversation with her in my ready room, Right. It's like the show and the characters know we don't have time to do this right now. We gotta let's just stay focused on what we're gonna do. We'll have time to grieve, deal with all of this mm -hmm. later on. Like the show, it keeps everything going on, all the interplay between the characters, everything in context in the moment. Nothing feels out of place. Right, I and I feel like nothing's gonna be left for like, oh, we're gonna deal with that five episodes from now. Right, I never feel like I don't sit there so far saying, why are we doing this right now? We don't need to be having this conversation at this yeah. moment. And I here's this is probably the wildest part. Are we still on your hot take? This is the ancillary but connected hot take. Okay. <laughs> okay. And it's going to sound a little um, snarky or, you know, like I'm going for the hot headline here, but... Yeah. <laughs> okay. Strange New Worlds has made me feel more emotionally about Michael in one scene than I felt in all of Discovery about Michael. <sighs> so the moment at the end of the mind meld when La'an says, you know, talking about how her brother, she mentions her brother getting killed by the Gorn and, and then it's... she kind of reads something in Spock. Yep. And then she says, you lost someone too. Your yep. sister. But the records don't show a sister. And he says, that's right. Let's end this now. And like, I felt it in that moment, you know, yep. like it's like yep. all that viewing of discovery and seeing all them together. It was, it was brought up in that moment and, and used well. Because I think it work it works in two ways. If you've watched discovery, you know who he's referring to. If you haven't, yep. there's a mystery there that may intrigue you. Yes. And him. then even better when they're on the shuttle. Yeah. He says, she says, oh, I didn't think you were going to go for my plan. And he says, I'm, you were like, our mind meld or something reminded me of risk taking and the value to those that survive. Because she said, you had someone that like sacrificed themselves for you. Yeah. Yep. So that, those two moments, I thought like, ooh, I felt Michael sacrifice more than I have any other time. But I think it also helps those people who were saying, in the very, very early days of Discovery, how come we've never heard about his sister before? And we are, I mean, we already knew the answer to that anyway, but we I think... About it. Right. We joked a lot about how, oh, they made a law, you can't talk about her. Right. But I think, I think that this, this helps that along. Like, it's not that he just chooses not to talk about her. That moment just tells you he doesn't want to talk about her. Yeah, like he's, he's not, not willing to, yeah. And that's very convenient for him because he prefers not to. Right. Right. But we know that he's thinking about her at times. Yeah. And, I mean, and he said it there, you know, he basically was reminded like, yeah, my, for, you know, whether you think it was done well or not, but my sister sacrificed herself by flinging into the future. Well, she didn't right. really. And I, I know Spock would have realized that they when, didn't have to do that. When Spock's Katra is inside of Dr. McCoy, even McCoy knew enough to not mention it. Yes, exactly. Because he probably saw also, he also heard that it was illegal. He didn't want to get in trouble. Yeah. 
That's why they were decommissioned in six, because somebody said something, and now they had to be taking stuff for you. <laughs> McCoy, spill, McCoy spilled the beans while he was, uh, you know, having yeah, a cigarette with... Uh, <laughs> or some, uh, you know... Whiskey with um, Scotty. Right. Well, no, we, I was just imagining like what you had said last week about how uh, when we were talking about the whole like, what is it thing again? And you were like, maybe D was just kind of upset that day because he couldn't have any cigarettes. And I just imagined McCoy, the character smoking cigarettes. And like, he's the reason <laughs> why they put the no smoking signs on the bridge in the Wrath of Khan because of McCoy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, too bad they all smoked. Didn't uh, Nimoy die of lung cancer? Yeah, I think of yeah. Yeah, I mean, you succumb to it eventually, yeah. Damn shame. Um, one thing in this episode I wanted to bring up, because I don't want to, I want to make sure I cover it, is um, we get some very cool scenes with U Uhura and Hemmer. There's an element of this episode that feels very much like the TNG episode Disaster and the Deep Space Nine episode Starship Down, where the Enterprise and the Defiant, respectfully, respectively, are seriously damaged and the crew is kind of separated off into different parts of the ship, all stuck in various places. And this, so McCoy, um, McCoy, Hemmer and Uhura are now stuck in the cargo bay because they can't get out due to the attack. So they've got to figure out how to get out of there. Right. And I think it led to some really great scenes and great moments between the two of them. I like that they're pairing people off and we're kind of getting a sense of who they are and how they interplay with one another. But what I also liked about it was this goes back to what you were saying in terms of investment in the characters, right? Mm hmm. We know who Uhura is, okay? We know that she's not going to die in the show. She can't, okay? We know that even the enter like the legacy characters in the show who we can get invested in, who we are invested in, we know that they can't, nothing fatal can happen to them, right? But despite all of that, I still worried and felt like something was going to happen with them. And I've only spent four episodes with them. And I was already, it's because the show is taking the time to develop and go into the past, into the personalities of these characters. And that's how you get me invested. That's how I get invested in a character. So I'm yeah. worried, I'm worried about them, even though I know for most of them, you can't, sort of off them. Hemmer could die. Hemmer could die. I, that's why I'm saying most of them. I mean, not all yeah. of them. Yeah, I don't want Hemmer to die because I fucking but, love Hemmer. It's another thing where I do think that that's just somewhat of an artificial idea. Yeah. Because when we watch any show, we sort of know that the main characters are not going to die. Right. So this idea that, well, I know that they were on a later show, so therefore I know they can't die, so therefore I never believe any danger that they're in. Well, most TV shows, we, we know that yeah. the characters aren't going to die, yet we still tune in. So it's really, do they do it well or don't they? I think it reminds me of Lost, because they could just kill off anybody at any time. But it got to the point where like you, you got a sense like, okay, I know, who the, I know who's probably going to live and who's not going to... I sort of know who's susceptible to death. I know who the ones, who the vulnerable ones are. Yeah. But... yeah. You know, I liken it to, if I could just, if you'll just humor me for a second, I mean, I've seen the movie 5,000 times, but at the end of Back to the Future, when Marty's racing down the street in the DeLorean to make the lightning strike to get back to 80, 1985, I mean, I know that he's going to get back, because I've seen it so many times, but I still, my palms still get sweaty watching it. I'm still afraid he's not going to make it. And yeah. I liken it to the same, to the, to that same, to the same thing. That's what it feels like to me. Yeah, or or if, um, whenever I see Obi Wan and Anakin fighting, it's like part of me is always like, "Come on, Obi Wan, you can make him yes. see that he's going down the wrong path." Right, and why is that? I know he's not going to, but and why is that? Because you're invested. Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, speaking of being invested in characters, that first segue. Um, I think that we're first off. What I'm noticing is I'm remembering all the characters' names. Yes. I remember for the longest time, I only could remember Owo's name. <laughs> and you were calling uh, Detmer Eye Lady? Yeah. I think you still, you, still, you, you still say that from time to time because you still kind of momentarily blank out, yeah. 
but I'm already saying Ortegas, like, uh, you know. Yeah. Like, we're old friends. But, so what I like is, right, we're getting their personality through the dialogue, and you don't need much, you just need a little. Right. So when they're talking about using the gravitational redshift to slingshot, or as the distraction while they slingshot off of the uh, yeah. black hole, Ortega has some reservations. She has the one that has to do the piloting. And so uh, uh, Pike says, if anyone can surf a wave on a black hole, it's you. And she mm. says, now, now you almost make it sound fun. <laughs> right? Right. It's just a little personality thing. She's got a personality. She's got a little edge to her. She's a little, you know, yep. she likes risk taking or. Right. So it's, it's just nice. She's the one you'd want to go, you know, rock climbing with. I'm sure, I'm sure she'd have a blast rock climbing. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. she'd have the t-shirt and everything. Yeah. Go climb a rock. Yep. And yeah. no no uh, jet boots for her. Oh, can you imagine her with B- Boimler? <laughs> her, you know her and uh, Mariner would be um, best buddies. Though. Oh, totally, yeah. But, you know, you, bring, you, you mentioned something. When you mentioned that, you remind me of how it's like the show utilizes the characters well. In other words, it brings them in kind of as they're needed but they're not they're not there when they don't need to be. And I like right. and I like those yeah. Like that didn't need to be there. Right. But if you're going to have the captain give an order to someone let if they're going to have them say anything, but like put their personality in it somehow. Because it's in That's spite all. it's because it's like in spite of how bad things might get or seem to be, they still manage to to say things like that in the worst of situations. Yes. Well, now you make it sound fun. <laughs> and really, it's the writers still bother to write lines like that when they don't have to, because they could just rely on the the action and the suspense. Right. But but that instead, could... it's like no, no, they have to have personality. But I think that goes back to the other two shows, kind of taking themselves too seriously. They don't. The characters don't do those things, and I think that only makes the show more enjoyable. The show. I think Strange New Worlds takes itself seriously, but it knows when to have fun at the right times. Right. And to know that when people are in dangerous situations, often a little levity is is the way they deal with it. What was that what was that what was that quote a few few episodes ago where they said like it was something about like no matter how bad things get, it's still funny or something like that. It's like and you hear it's when remember that? Things get Sometimes things get so bad that all you can do is laugh. Yes, and you hear Spock laugh over the yeah. <laughs> like it's the same it's just the same mentality. Yes, and that's what I think makes the show work so well. Yes. And it is uh yeah, they have personnel. But that's what I think this is what I was saying before when this speaks to what I was saying before where if it's almost like if they do an episode where the story isn't that great, it seems like we'll at least have moments like this that may make the episode redeemable, right? It's it's like it, the episode, the, the show has reliable things to kind of fall back on if an episode doesn't work some week, right? Well, right. okay, but Ortega's got some yeah. good lines and I like that. Right. right. Or, yeah. Like when you watch an episode of Next Gen that's not that great, it's like I still love those characters. And right. Like exactly. That, that's where we're getting with this cast already. It's, we just want to spend, and I, again, to repeat myself for the third time, like the premiere of Lower Decks season two, I said, I just want to be with the characters again. And that's, that's where this show is heading. Well, we're there. No, actually, we're there already with the show, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I agree. I agree. So, but so far they're they're double whammy in us because they're giving us stories that we like and characters right. that we like. So we really don't have to, um, you know, we don't have to look to is consolation prizes as it were. I'm curious. I may have asked you this already, but maybe it's changed. Is there a character that you particularly like on this show the most, or like that just that you think is sort of a standout to you? You know, take Pike, Spock, and number one out of it for a minute. Like, maybe, yeah, you know, yeah. I, th- I really like La'an. Yeah. Because I think she's got an interesting... It's a tie between La'an and Uhura, who I also think yeah. are probably the two that we've gotten to know the, the most. 
right. they both are interesting because they're there and they clearly have the talent to be there, but there's also something about them that's not quite they're not quite there yet, you know? Right. So they have a little room to grow. Right. Into the into the um into their positions. Yeah, for me it's like. for me it's, you know, Hammer of course, but the other one who I think is really becoming a standout to me is uh Nurse Chapel. Um she's very I really like the kind of wit and sense of fun that she has. Um I it's not that, and it's not that I want to say that Major Barrett Roddenberry's Major Barrett Roddenberry's performance is not great, but I've said before it's very wooden. She, it, it never felt to me like she gave her much. She had much of a personality, Nurse Chapel in the original series. Right, she was a real Reese in that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like she. So I really like what Jess Bush is doing with Nurse Chapel. She's got a great sense of fun, and again, she's got a great wit i just i really like what she's doing with the character agreed um oh another thing i really liked if we're so i feel like we're getting to the point where we gotta get in our last thoughts here yep um i really like the fact that pike was outsmarted a couple times in this yes so there was a point where they were trying to evade the scout and then he comes up with this brilliant plan of dropping the torpedo on it and he does it and realizes that that was the lure and he took the bait completely. Yep. Mm-hmm. They just wanted to find out where he was and they would sacrifice a ship and a pilot yep. to do it. I thought uh, I thought that was great because again, we really got the sense of the danger that they were in. First we saw the scene with the blood we yep. heard from the colonists, and then we had that moment. Yep. And I think at that point we knew just how up against the wall they really were. Well, I got to say, you know, in speaking to the whole submarine warfare thing about it, I really like that they managed to, because we're in the, you know, we're in the 23rd century. We've got, we've got sophisticated technology. We're so far beyond radar. But the fact that they've managed to sort of bring radar back and use it as a way to up the tension, raise that mm. tension level. I mean, that to me just helped the episode out so much. It really made the episode extremely tense, especially, you know, because it was that moment when, when the explosion go off, which we don't even see, by the way, because I, I thought it was going to fail, but we didn't actually mm-hmm. see the explosion. And it was neat because we got to be there with them. Right. Because when you shoot, when you do those things, what we don't probably realize, because they usually take us outside with it. They in the, in the, in the, right. uh, in the ship don't know because they can't just look out of a window and see it. Right. So yeah, that was kind of neat that we got to experience with them how they find out. And then as soon as it goes off, you begin to see the other ones move in via the, I don't even know if it was radar, but it was like radar. Right. Yeah. And you're just kind of like, Oh shit. No. And then, then he immediately realizes how bad they screwed up. But I think to that point, the show has managed to do an extremely fine job of putting the audience in the same predicament as the characters. Pike reacted the same way we did. Yeah. Right? It's when the characters and the audience are kind of one in that moment. And I, yeah, I thought that that worked out exceptionally well. Mm -hmm. Oh, one more note. The music in Mm. those scenes was fantastic. So they had some kind of a theme that just, sounded... Oh, I thought you were just going to say the music and just walk away. Like, all right, what is this? Are you done? What's going on? <laughs> they had this little, little theme. I'm probably not even really doing it right. But it was something like... Can't hear it. Really? Yeah. All right, I'll try it here. Okay. Yeah, we heard that, heard it briefly. It was um, very reminiscent of the beginning of the motion picture to me. Oh, no, the beginning of the Wrath of Khan. No, oh, the beginning yeah. of the motion picture. Oh, yeah, like the, I know what you mean. Like the, yeah, yeah, I know exactly the musical cue you're talking, you're referring to. Yeah, yeah but it was, it was much lower than that, but I guess you can't hear it when I play it lower. 
But anyway, it was just like repetitive like that. And it was yeah. really, really good. And very, very menacing. It had a little bit of that almost Jaws-like feel too. Well, so I'm going to use that as a segue, Jaws, because um, what did you think of the choice? I thought it worked very, very well. The choice to actually not see the Gorn. Oh, we that was perfect. Because also, wouldn't the continuity people have had a heart attack if they saw the Gorn? Well, you wanted it to be the guy in the suit. Yeah. <laughs> I. So I think it was a great way to to have them. Yeah. But not through not break continuity. I suspect that we will see them on the show eventually, and you know, physically. But I liked the uh, I liked that we didn't see them because even though it kind of served as a reintroduction to them and making them a threatening adversary, I thought that the choice to not show them show us what they looked like was the right way to go. You know, P Pike didn't even have any ship to ship communication with them. Right. Right. We didn't even speak to them. They, why, were, yeah, why would they? They were just a kind of force out there. Yeah, that they had. To they deal wouldn't with. want to talk talk to them. They're just meat sacks to them. Right, right. So, because yeah, that reminded me of Jaws. I mean, remember, like through most of the film, you don't even see what the shark looks like until kind of near the last fourth of the film. Yeah, and I think based on what they were saying on the ready room, like that, that, yeah, they, that, that was, that was kind of intentional. That's what they were going for with this. And it is, you know, as as that, and as much as like the design of the Gorn ship itself, I mean, cause the Gorn ship didn't seem to have any, seem to make any logical sense whatsoever. And they said, you know, we kind of didn't want it to. Yeah, the movements were very, like, seemingly random. Yeah, it was like, it kind of barrel rolled and did this, it didn't just travel on a, on a plane, on like a, you know. Yeah, and if you've ever seen a lizard run around, they do move in strange Rather ways. erratically, yeah. Seemingly yeah. erratically. Yeah. They they, it makes sense to them, but to us, it yes. doesn't. And it kind of only reinforces the sort of alienness of them. So... Everything about this episode worked for me. I mean, there was not anything that I thought didn't. There was nothing that kind of... I wasn't bored by anything that was going on. I thought it was a very... I mean, what are we, four episodes in? I mean, I, I've got to say it's maybe... It could be my favorite of the season so far, actually. Wow, yeah, okay. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, uh, only four episodes to choose from, of course, but... Yeah, it's hard to say, just because yeah. you can't have this one work without all the other ones that built the characters. Right. But yeah, the viewing experience, it was quite... But it's also, I mean, this is also the second of these new slew of Trek shows. The second series that I go back to, and we'll watch the episode, not, you know, we typically watch it twice, you know, before we uh, yeah. record, right? We just watch it once. And then we well, watch it again. Take it in, and it right. for no. But I have watched every episode of this show, at, I'm not joking, at least four times. Wow. Uh, it's... I keep coming back because I just like watching shows with the beginning, middle, and end. I just, I, I just want to watch an episode. And all of these episodes, this show is doing that. This show allows me to just sort of step in and watch any episode I want to so far. And I... It's it's it and you know it's but they're also good episodes. They're they're good episodes so far. So I I can't say enough good things about the show right now. And I'm just I'm very, very happy at the moment that it has not only lived up to my expectations, but has surpassed my expectations. Yeah, me too. I'm I'm thrilled with how it's going. Because, I mean, we'd be lying if we said we didn't sort of go through a few moments where we thought, mm, I don't know, based on what was going on with the other shows, we were like, I don't know. Yeah, we're starting to lose confidence. Yeah. The whole team. Yeah. I feel like I was clinging to hope a little bit more than you were, but. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, Picard was a real bummer for me. You know how much I liked the first season. Right. And so that was a real disappointment. Yeah, well, we both did. Yeah. So. Anything else before we wrap this wrap this up? 
Um. That is it for me. Okay. Oh, one more thing. Um, it seemed like Uhura, you horror, whatever. I don't know if I've seen this other places, but it, it was very much a scene we would get from Lower Decks, where she's following around the engineering yes. person. Yes. Even though that's not her department, and just getting the you know getting like, quizzed. Yeah. It was very much something I believe we've seen on Lower Decks. I don't know if we've Rutherford. seen it anywhere else. Remember when Rutherford was kind of like trying out different different things? Yeah. 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 So yeah. that was cool that we're seeing in Sleeping in the Wall. So we're getting more and more of those little uh, little connections, which right. is nice. Yeah. I still think, again, there needs to be a moment on Lower Decks where they you know, they say the Lower Decks are buckling. I'm like, why is it always us? Why is it always our yeah. part of the ship first? Yeah. Yeah. Or you know what else would be really cool? If they go through some kind of a wormhole or something and they come out and it's their live action for a little while even if it's yeah. only for like five minutes you know because yeah. they're in some alternate universe there should be an episode that would be a good way to do it or there should be one where like they go through a very odd like space phenomena right and they have to reinforce the shields but they have to evacuate to like say the middle of the ship or like the lower decks of the ship because that's They'll have the most because they're so down deep down below. It'll offer the most protection, so they're all sort of like crammed in the lower decks area. Like you know what I mean? Like everybody's sort of in the. <laughs> they got to share their like you know in wall bunks and everything like that. I, I think that'd be pretty funny. That'd be nice. Yeah, we'll just have to get. We'll just have to get Mike McMahon on the show and you know pitch him lower decks ideas because we've clearly <laughs> just pitched three of them. So yeah. Huh. Yeah. Well, I think that'll do it for us this week. Next week, we're going to be talking about the next episode, which I believe is called Spock Amok. Right. Oh, Spock Amok. So, okay, this is interesting. I think this is going to be a real test of the show. Okay. Because if I had to say, if I had to choose a you know, little, um, what's the word? Like a little segment of the series so far that I didn't really love. It would be Spock and his girlfriend. Oh yeah. So like, can they do this? Well, see, it's interesting. I, when you said, I think this is going to be a real test for the show. Mm -hmm. What I thought you were going to say was given that it's called Spock Amok, there's clearly a connection there to Amok time. Right. So we're going to get like a real kind of like prequel, to the original series at this point. And I thought you were going to say it's going to be a real sort of almost like litmus test to like how much, like how can this show kind of play that prequel to the original series? Like this is going to be the ultimate test of that because it's going to lead into a sort of pivotal episode later on in the original series. Hmm. That's what I thought you were going to say. Yeah, well, that's true too. Yeah. That's true too. Oh, well, yeah, you got to do that in a in a way that works. And yeah. you've just got to deal with, I assume, Spock's, you know, romantic life in a way that doesn't, isn't lame. I will also say about the show, because you've heard me say this about the other shows as well, every show in the Trek franchise, where I say, you know, I think some of the best episodes of, of a show are ones that you can only do on that show, right? And I think that this show has managed to at least do that with us twice and might do it a third time with Spock Amok. Only telling these types of stories you would only do on this show. Really taking advantage of the premise where it's set, right? I mean, I think the other two episodes we've seen, while I still like them, a little fiddling around with them and you can make it work on a, as a Voyager episode right or a next generation episode right and of course when we say that in regards to lower decks that's like paying the show the highest compliment like this could easily be an episode of the next generation which is how we measure that the show was that the episode was successful so i just want to bring that up again yeah but we'll see do we have a trailer yet we do i don't i don't have it in front of me um, okay. What I did see, though, because I sent it to you, Pike is wearing that green garb that I, Kirk wears. Yeah. yeah, that's great, and yeah. it looks great. It looks great. 
It looks like it's leather. I could be wrong, but it's, yeah. It's a better material. But you know what? That's one of those things that I thought to myself. I, I wouldn't. Ex I, I don't expect them to bring that to, to have brought that thing back, right? But I'm glad that they did. Yeah, I think it's a no-brainer. Yeah. At least a version of it, which is what they've done. Right. Right. Yeah. What's up, some other weird ones? And you have his dress uniform with sort of this yellow, shiny thing. Yep. McCoy at one point. Many times McCoy would be wearing like a short sleeve version of the okay. Starfleet uniform. Yeah. I would like to see Spock with his um, guitar harp. His lute. Yeah. Yeah, right now they call it a loot. Yes. The loot, yeah. yeah. That would be, that would be cool. Well, actually, so there was a additional officer on the bridge we'd never seen before. I think he was just a, you know, they cut to him a couple of times. And there were a couple of shots where you got to see, like, the full uniform he was wearing. He was actually wearing uh, the skirt. Oh, I did notice this. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Love that. I yeah. love that. I'm like, good job there. Yeah, challenging gender norms yeah. since uh, nineteen what eighty seven. First episode 86? of Next Gen. Yep, the guy in the dress. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, it wasn't. It you wasn't. A, it wasn't a dress. Know. It was just a uniform that he just didn't have pants on. It was a scant. Pardon yeah. me. It was, it was a skirt. A, it was a skirt. It was, it was a, a skirt. Yeah. 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 I just wish they wouldn't cram it down my throat, though. You know. Right. That's right. sarcasm. Be more <laughs> so, yeah. Be more subtle about it. If that happened today, if they had a character with a skirt that, like, one of the main characters, oh my yeah. god, Derision, it would have a conniption fit. All right, very good. Well, uh, listeners, thank you again so much. And for anybody who's on Twitch, thank you for watching. And you can follow us on Instagram at In Star Trek We Trust Podcast. And you can follow us on Twitter at Star Trek We Trust. And you can also subscribe to us on Twitch at twitch.tv slash in Star Trek we trust. We do these we do these recordings every well we don't have an actual day. We just kind of we try to, but no. Every week. Yeah, we every week. Yeah, we only try to do them on Monday nights. But now so that's because I'm a I'm a teacher and now as summer break is approaching yep. you may see them earlier. Yep. We will see. But thank you again, everybody, and we'll see you next week for Spock Amok. Later.